I invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel. This is the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark. And rising very early in the morning, while it was dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, and casting out demons. The gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Christ. You may be seated. My name is Morgan, and I am the associate pastor here at Incarnation, and I am delighted to be bringing this message. We've been in a series in the gospel of Mark together, and today we're going to have a, a moment to look at a snapshot in Jesus's life. It kind of reminded me of a dear friend of mine who was helping in a youth group, and this youth group had decided one day that they were going to go climb a mountain together. And the group leaders in this youth group were all really fit. And they decided to go up the path which they had used the most, which was also the steepest path up the mountain. It even included some aspects of bouldering up the mountain. And my friend made it, but on the way down, after being tired and sweaty and sore and a little bit miffed about the fact that they were thinking this was going to be like a nature walk that turned into a rock climbing expedition, they were coming down the mountain and they noticed that there was another trail going up. And they asked one of the other leaders and said, well, what's that trail? And the other leader said, oh yeah, that tra trail goes up the mountain as well, but it's like two miles longer, but it is less steep. And you can imagine my friend's reaction in finding out that there was a completely different road that would have gone up to the top of the mountain, that it was less steep, that it was easier, and that it just took a little bit more time. Sometimes taking the shorter way makes things more difficult. And it seems like the right decision at the beginning. The longer way takes more time and it's more distance, but the experience of going up the mountain would have been a lot more enjoyable. Today in our gospel reading, we hear about this tension that we find in the disciples who want to take a shorter way, which seems easier, while Jesus is asking them to take a longer path. We get to Mark 135. Jesus has just finished a really long day where he's healing all the people out in Capernaum. The people are coming to him. They're seeking after him and they're asking him to heal their sicknesses, their demons for themselves, for their family members, for their friends. And after a day like that, you can imagine how popular Jesus is becoming in that little town. So we find Jesus the next morning waking up early. And his disciples are also up early, but they're doing two different things. Jesus gets up early to pray, and his disciples get up early to work hard to go find him. If you read verse 37, here's what they say to him. They find him, and they say in verse 37, Jesus, everyone is looking for you. That's what they say. Here's what they mean. Here's the implication of what they're saying. Jesus, what are you doing here praying? Everyone's been looking for you. We have work to do, Jesus. The stuff that you did yesterday was awesome. It was amazing. That's the kind of thing that you need to do over and over again if you want to build your reputation, if you want to make this thing work. 
The stuff that you did was so good. And not everybody could come yesterday. So now we got like everybody and their friends waiting to come to you today that couldn't get there yesterday. And Jesus could have healed all of Capernaum if he wanted to, but that didn't line up with his mission. The disciples saw what worked and they wanted to repeat patterns of small-scale success in the place that they knew that it would work without understanding the broader picture of God's kingdom. So from Jesus, we learn that prayer opens up our eyes to where and to how the gospel, the good news of Jesus's kingdom must travel. The mindset of the disciples, it's really common in a lot of places. I think of churches immediately. So we'll see a church that's grown and it's tempting to think, let's just copy that pattern um, it, it happens elsewhere. You can think of work. If you see somebody who's been successful and you see what they do to get there, and you think, if I just do that, that exact same thing that they did, I'll have the same success. Or parenting, if you think of your, a kid that you think, now that's a great kid, and the parents have sent them to a certain school, it's tempting to think, well, if I just send my child to that school, my child would turn out exactly like that child. I'll have similar results. And there is wisdom in seeking wise counsel. There's wisdom in looking at other people's successes. There's wisdom in looking at other people's failures. But it's tempting for us to think that in repeating these pragmatic paradigms, if we, if we repeat those, that we'll experience the exact same success as somebody else. But instead, what Jesus shows us is he steps back. If we were to step back regularly and we were to spend time in God's presence, praying about how God's kingdom plan fits into the contours of our day, then we would see exactly what God wants us to see. And we are a brand new church. I think this might be our fourth Sunday together meeting in this space. And it can be tempting to look at churches, other churches around us and say, you know, this church has this music style, that type of preaching, this type of database, that type of marketing, this type of evangelism, those types of small groups, and to consider numerical growth in that space as equating to the advancement of God's kingdom here in our neighborhood. But because no neighborhood is the same, and no church that is built to reflect its neighbors is going to be the same, it follows that advancement of God's kingdom may not look the same in both places programmatically. So whether we're speaking of church or whether we're speaking of work or whether we're looking at households, the way that we align our plans and our actions to God's will and his kingdom is through a really robust life of prayer. So note again, the example of Jesus who seeks these secluded moments of prayer in order to seek God's kingdom come and the people to which he's ministering. He seeks out these regular times of reorientation he talks to his heavenly father and that allows him to ask broader questions about ministry, what the mission is, how long he should stay in one place, who he should minister to and talk to and what the needs are that they have. Spending time in God's presence, I find can feel very restless because we're forced to put down those things that make us feel so successful. But actually, it's in the time in God's presence that we're re reoriented to what actual success is. And so you and I, we are a kingdom of contemplative ambassadors, 
a sacramental community. Those are a lot of big words. What do I mean by that? There's a, a Catholic priest that I love named Henry Nowen, and he has this really great summary of the, the Eucharist and the people of God. He talks about Christ's body being taken, blessed, broken, and given. And you and I then become a sacramental presence to the world, a vehicle of God's grace. Christ's body taken, blessed, broken, and given. That sacramental and kingdom mission mindset, it can't be reduced to a small number of Bible verses or spiritual laws printed on a little piece of paper, stuck in a windshield somewhere or taped to a bus stop. The kingdom of God is far more powerful and it's far more nuanced than that because God's saving love speaks freedom into the most complex of spiritual enslavements. It's written on the tablets of embodied lives. So Simon and his disciple and the other disciples, they're surprised. They're surprised when Jesus said that it was time to move on past Capernaum. Jesus was taking them to the unfamiliar, the unknown, where people would be really different, where there might be demons or sicknesses or hurts that they had never seen or experienced or encountered before. But Jesus's view of the kingdom wasn't their view of the kingdom. Jesus had made a habit every day of stepping back and looking, talking to his father in prayer and looking at the larger picture. But the disciples, by contrast, were in the weeds. They were repeating programs of small-scale success in places that they knew it would work. Prayer opens our eyes to where and to how the good news of Jesus Christ has to travel. Imagine what they would have missed if they hadn't followed Jesus into what felt scary and unknown. So Jesus pushes on. He moves forward in accordance with his habits of prayer. And our ability to keep up rhythms of prayer, I think has a direct impact on the ways that we share the good news of Jesus Christ with the world. So we had our meeting of common tables. You've heard about these, maybe you haven't yet. We'll talk about them later. We've had this meeting of common table hosts and co-hosts. And one of the challenges that I offered to them that I am taking on for myself is to know my neighbors by name and then to know one thing that I can pray for them for. Um, even if I don't say, hey, can I pray for you for something? Maybe I've had a deep enough conversation with somebody that I actually know what I can be praying for for them. And getting to that point involves regular times of prayer on my part. It involves the ability to listen well to other people, and it involves a genuine interest in somebody else. And that is what's necessary for true evangelism. And I'm very thankful here at Incarnation for a senior pastor who does that really well. When I was at that same meeting, I was doing dishes in their kitchen, and I was looking up through the window, and I saw this little list in their window. And after a second, I realized those are the, some of the names of people at Incarnation. And I realized that it was a prayer list. And we have a senior pastor who prays for you all by name, which is a huge gift and it's an example. It's that kind of discipline that shapes the way that the gospel goes forward as a community. As each of us practice times of prayer, being in God's presence, interceding for others and listening well, we're gonna discover how the kingdom goes forward into the lives of individuals and into the lives of larger communities as well. Jesus' time with his father made him reevaluate the next day. 
And as a result, instead of going back to Capernaum, he went around to different towns and he healed and he taught in different places. You and I were called to be ambassadors of God's kingdom, emissaries who are embodying the word of reconciliation and healing and forgiveness through Jesus's death and resurrection. Embodiment or incarnation by its very nature is extremely complicated and it's really messy sometimes. But remember that prayer, in Jesus's example, prayer opens our eyes to where and to how the good news of his kingdom must travel. As you listen to people, even this week, start to lift them up in prayer. Be ready for God to shape you through your conversations with other people. It's going to affect you in ways that you hadn't anticipated. And today we're going to baptize Evangeline, or you'll hear her called Evie as well. Her name was a great reminder this week of uh, what the rest of us are all called to. Her name comes from the Greek word, which means gospel or good news. Today, she's entering the body of Christ, the church, where she's going to be taught the good news and of God's kingdom. And our prayer in the liturgy is that she grows to proclaim that good news to others. She, like us, will learn to become the body of Christ to the world, which is taken, blessed, broken, and given. She's going to learn it from her family, from David, Jody, Emmanuel, and Augustine, She's going to learn it from all of us who are here present as she grows into the life of the church. As members of the body of Christ, we're all called to be ambassadors of Jesus's kingdom, those who are guarding the good news and prayerfully asking God how he wants to speak it into the lives of those who are around us. Like St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says that we who are in Christ spread the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. So let's continue to build habits of constant prayer, avoiding the temptation towards pragmatic shortcuts. Let's invite the messiness of embodiment or incarnation into all of our relationships and allow prayer to open our eyes to where the good news of Jesus has to go. That prayerful and contemplative type of ambassadorship brings us into the space where we start to see the broader picture of the long pathway of God's kingdom. Would you pray with me? Oh God, who created all peoples in your image, we thank you for the diversity of races and cultures in this world. Show us your presence in those who differ from us and enrich our lives with their fellowship until our knowledge of your love is made perfect in our love for all your children. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.